Just remember what he says isn't always true. <laughs> wow. We're starting this one off real, huh? <laughs> Woo. Wow. I don't even know where to start now. It threw me off my game. But we're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about love. Uh, you know, I, I struggled writing this a little bit because I wanted to make sure that we spoke to a few different groups of people. And so this morning, we're going to talk to people who are single, who want to be married. We're going to talk to people who are in love and thinking about marriage, people who are engaged on their way to marriage, people who have been married just recently, or maybe even married for a long, long time. And so over this series, we're going to try to address everybody in the group. And so if, if you if you're in the sermon this morning, if you're like, boy, this kind of applies to single people more than married people, or this applies more to married people than single people, that's true. Like, there's parts of this that kind of apply to everybody. And so, so we're going we're gonna to head down this journey together, and we're going to talk about marriage and the idea that they lived happily ever after. Happily ever after. Just like a fairy tale, right? Just like a fairy tale. How many married people are in the house? Let me see your hands. Yeah, married people. Look at, wow, wow. Lots of married people. How many people want to be married in the house? This is, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. My wife is raising her hand because she likes being married to me. No, but how many people, are, I was going to say any single people who are looking for a spouse, but, but that gets awkward because then everybody's like with their hands and like the dudes are like, where are the ladies? And ladies are like, where are the dudes? And, you know, and they're like checking each other out, kind of prospecting, you know, like a sales funnel kind of thing, looking for looking for options, looking for options. But you know, I just want to say that, that marriage and life and relationships um, have this really funny way of, of, of moving through life where, you know, every one of us, our past kind of affects how our future is, isn't, doesn't it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like you get married, for those of you who have been married or are married, you understand that the, the, the things of your past affected you in such a way that you end up bringing some of that into your marriage a little bit. You know, we like to think that um, as, as, and when we get married, that, that we're going to, um, like, have a fresh start. Like, like we're going to magically walk to this altar and say, I do, and everything in the past is just going to be melted away, and we're going to have a great relationship. You know, like, we have this, like, fantasy that happens, but reality is that what happened in your past still kind of carries with you a little bit. Your attitude, your thought processes, things that, that happen to you over time kind of carry into the relationship. Which means this, that today is, is your present, but in a year or two, today will be your past. Right? So, so your present today, which, which, is, which will be your past. Wait, the, the present will be your past, which will be your presence in the future. Got it? Yeah, so your past, is, it becomes present in the future, right? What you had going on in life before, all of a sudden is meeting you right where you're at with your marriage or right in your, your relationship. And so if you think about it, what you're working on today will be the past that you're dealing with tomorrow. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, so your present matters. What you're doing today matters. <clears throat> it's funny, you listen to marriage failure stories, and maybe you don't listen to those very often. I listen to them occasionally. You know, you listen to, to marriages that struggle, or, or you, you watch on TV even, watching like this reality TV shows, and you watch the marriages that are having major issues. And, when, if, and maybe you've seen this, but maybe I'm the only judgmental one here. And, and I, I look at these, and sometimes I think to myself, didn't you see that coming? Like, didn't you see the path you're on, like how that ended badly? You know, like, like there's sometimes there's this thing where it's like, man, it seems so obvious from the outside looking in that that was a really bad decision. But we're in the middle of it. We don't see the bad decision. We're blinded by love. We're blinded by love. You know, so married people thought their marriage was a fresh start. You know, I, I heard this said that, that um, I heard another pastor say this, that, that he doesn't believe in marriage problems. He says that marriage problems are um, if you have a toothpaste tube and one person wants to squeeze it in the middle and the other one wants to roll it up. Marriage problems are who's going to, is the toilet paper going to go over or is it going to go under? But most problems that end up wrecking marriages are actually single person problems that they carried into their marriage. They didn't deal with their past. And that's what ends up wrecking marriages. And, and so what you do matters. If you're single today, 
What you do matters. It contributes to your marriage that comes up in the future. It, it does. And if you're a married person, if you want to build a marriage that lasts long term, what you do today matters. How you treat your spouse today matters. How you treat yourself today matters. The integrity and the character by which you're developing internally matters. If you want to have a foundation to build a long relationship, you've got to work on you. You've got to work on the inside. But here's what, here's what happens is, is um, my first point today is this, is, is, is find the right person. We, we approach dating and marriage and life like we've got to find the right person. So all the single people are like, well, I just got to find the right person. Like, I haven't met the right one. I'm looking for Miss Prince Charming. I'm looking for Miss Perfect. I'm looking for the right person. And so what happens is, is this story plays out over and over and over again. And, and for some of you, you've seen it happen in somebody else's life. And for some of you, maybe it's happened in your life and, you, and, and maybe you've lost a marriage. Or you've lost a relationship because of this. Or maybe you've had wrestled through it and you've learned the hard way working through your own marriage about this whole issue of finding the right person. Because you see, finding the right person is a myth. Finding the right person is a myth. Because here's what happens. If you're out there looking and trying to find the right person, and so what happens when you're trying to find the right person? How do you know when you find that right person? Because when I meet the right person, everything's going to be all right. When I find the right person, everything's going to be all right. And so I go looking and I start dating and I'm looking and I'm finding and I, and, and maybe you get married and, and I'm just going to pause right here. Sometimes you get into a marriage situation where you're in the marriage and maybe you've been married for a year or two years or three years or five years or maybe 50 years. I don't know. You've been in the marriage for a while and you start to question, did I marry the wrong person? And I've got a really simple test for you. Why don't you go find your marriage certificate and if your name and the other person's name is on it, you married the right person. Simple test. You married the right person. You did. You did it. You married the right person. Congratulations. So when you meet the right person, everything's going to be all right. And how do you know? How do you know? Because there's chemistry. We talk about everything. Life is wonderful. We send little text messages back and forth, you know? And, and like the emojis with the heart eyes and, the, and, and then my phone lights up and whenever it vibrates, I don't think, is it CNN alerting me about something crazy that the president's doing? I think, oh, it must be, it must be my, my boyfriend or this, this guy or this girl. And, and you pull the phone and you're like, oh, you sent me an emoji with heart eyes. A little pitter-patter in the heart. Little butterflies in the tummy. We got chemistry, people. Don't you see that? We got chemistry. We're so in love. We can talk about anything. And, oh, I could just spend every minute staring into those dreamy eyes. We got chemistry. You don't even understand. There's never been a love like this before. Our love is so strong and unique and and, and you just don't get it. Like, I know you say, like, what's the substance in your relationship? But you don't know our love is so strong, so unique. We send each other texts, and they're so cute. They believe that no one has ever loved like this before. Our love is like nothing that has ever been or ever will be. <laughs> and somewhere along the line, it's, it's, it's when you follow this logic with the world, they... They start put, sprinkling some other things into this process that, that you think, well, I wouldn't buy a car without test driving it, would I? Right? Like, oh, and I wouldn't buy a pair of shoes without trying them on. And so we start accelerating the physical aspect of the relationship when you're dating. And, and you start accelerating this thing to where, well, I got to test drive the car. I got to try out the shoes. And so the physical boundaries get pushed. And pretty soon, it's not just cute text messages, but it's like, you're staying the night, and, and, and you end up sleeping together, and then and the physical side gets going to a place, and eventually you think, well, we just move in together. That'll help. You know, that, that, but let's just, let's just, that's a step on the way to marriage. But it's not. See, here's the thing is, it's like 54% of, of marriages end in divorce. How many of you married people, how many of you, well, just by a show of hands, how many of you married people, when you got married, said, I'm planning to be one of the 54% that gets divorced. How many said I'm that? No? Nobody? I'm shocked. What you do leading up into the marriage matters. 
does, all the married people are like, yes, preach it. <laughs> like, it's like constant nod heading, like head nodding. I'm like, yeah, every married person knows like what you, what you do leading up to this matters. So, so young people, single people, if you want to be married, if you're going to be married, pay attention to this today. You're going to, this is going to save you some pain. It's going to save you some heartache. In fact, they say that the opposite is true about living together before you get married. They say that you have a higher percentage of divorce. It's crazy. So, so what you think is that halfway step, it's actually hurting you in the process. Now, if you're living together right now, there's a simple process. Go get married. Let's fix it. But, you know, you're headed that way anyway. You're pretending it's a halfway step, so let's just finish the step. So that's, that's a, the fastest way to fix the problem. Or you can just move out. But I'm a pastor. I'm going to tell you this is what the Word of God says. It's, it's fornication. It's a sin. You shouldn't be doing it. You know, and so you've, you've, you've got to stop. If you want a healthy relationship, you've got to fix this issue now. And, and so, yeah, but if, if you start getting, you start living together, and then it's the halfway step, and then one day you decide, our chemistry is so strong. The love is so unique. I think we should get married. Yeah, let's get married. This is going to be amazing. It's going to feel so good. I, can't, I couldn't imagine feeling like this every day for the rest of my life. My God. My God, this is going to be incredible. Incredible. My heart's going to pitter-patter. My text messages are going to be sweet and cute. And, and, and it's just going to be love and, and every moment of every day. It's going to be so good. But then they get married and they run into a problem. They run into a problem. Married people. Do you remember your first big fight after you got married? Good. I'm glad you don't. You should forget that. But, but, you know, they run into a problem. And here's what I find is they don't have chemistry problems. They have relationship problems. They have a relationship problem because they got married based on chemistry. And then when they finally start having relationship issues, they're not talking to each other. They're not, they're not having enough patience or kindness towards one another. And they start, the little, those little snippy, snide, like sarcastic comments that just slide in nice and easy. Those little comments that slip in, those are, those are relationship problems. And they start kind of slipping in, and then pretty soon the relationship problems do something that kills the chemistry, and so your chemistry starts going down. And so then pretty soon, you're not sure what to do about it because the only thing you had going in your marriage was chemistry, but then you have the relationship, and you're married, and you're stuck together, and you're like, I'm not sure what to do because I don't feel the warm pity patters all the time. And then someone comes up with this great, brilliant idea. Let's have a baby. <laughs> that'll bring us closer together. <laughs> and the wife is normally like, oh, I love babies. They're so sweet and cuddly. I remember when I held my friend's baby a while back, just sat, held there and slept and was so cute and adorable. And the husband's all on board. He's like, this is more sex, so I'm down, right? We're going to do this. And so they, they start thinking, yeah, let's have a baby. And then pretty soon they pop the baby out, and the fantasy of what they thought a baby was it's not the same as when you have it and you take it home at night. When you hold your friend's baby, it's cute and cuddly. When you volunteer in the nursery, it's cute and cuddly. But at 2 a.m., when they haven't let you sleep for three weeks straight, and they're crying their brains out, and you're like, dear God, make it shut up. I can't handle this anymore. And then you've got to get up in the morning, you've got to go to work, and you've and you got bags under your eyes, and you, you feel like garbage, and, and you're exhausted, and you come back home from work, and, and both of you are like, I can't believe we're doing this. And then you, the, the sarcastic comments just get higher and higher and higher because your relationship was built on chemistry and not, and not, not a relationship. And then you get tired and it's, and, it's, and it's hard and I'm not sure what to do here. And, and then you're like, I don't even know why I'm married. Did I marry the wrong person? I'm not really sure. And then it happens. Then you're at work or you're at the gym or, or you're at the grocery store or you're out and about or you run into that old high school fling and you meet the right one. And you know it's the right one because your heart goes pitter-patter when you see them. So you end up cheating on your spouse. You end up getting a divorce. And you have a whole wrecked marriage and a wrecked life. And you're not sure why. And everything is falling apart. It's because you built the whole thing on chemistry and the right one. And that's not, it's a lie. It's not, it's a myth. There's no such thing as a right one. That's it. There's no such thing. It's a lie. Sermon over. It's a lie. But that won't happen to me, Pastor Matt. You don't know. Because my love is unique. You should see the emojis he sends me on the text message. And I just can't wait to spend every moment with him or with her. 
Love is blind, isn't it? It doesn't have to be this way, though. Our culture likes to highlight those stories about the love story. They like to highlight the story of the, the prince riding in and defeating the dragon and throwing the princess on the back of the horse and riding off into the sunset with the words happily ever after. They like to show the story of how, how the, the glass slipper and, 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 and the, the stepmother, and, and they got to defeat the, the stepmother in order to get together, but if they could just be together, it would fix everything. That's the story that's portrayed everywhere. Every love story, every book, every movie, you, you see this, you know, you know why? It's not because Hollywood and our culture doesn't like solid relationships. It's not because they don't believe in healthy marriage. Healthy marriage movies would be kind of boring. There's no, like, there's no drama. Like, oh, yeah, I went to work and I, I drove straight from my office to my house. And I walked in and I hugged my kids and kissed my wife. And we ate dinner together and... And I asked them how the day was it going and how was school and we prayed together as a family and, and then we played some board games and put the kids to bed. Nobody's going to watch that. <laughs> Nobody is going to tune in to the cable channel and watch my life. But I love my life. I love my wife. I love my kids. I tell you, having a great solid marriage, for those of you who have a great solid marriage can attest to it. Yeah, it's a work. Yeah, it's not just a fairy tale. Yeah, it takes some effort, but it's worth it. It's worth it. What you really want is a solid relationship. Don't settle for the pitter-patter heart. Chemistry comes. Chemistry happens. Don't get me wrong, but don't, don't think that chemistry is the foundation of your relationship. Chemistry should be the byproduct of a great relationship. So you're out looking for the right person. But here's what I want to challenge you. If you're married or not married or if you're single, everybody, this applies to everybody. Stop looking for the right person and start being the right person. Stop looking for the right person and start being the right person. You see, finding the right person versus becoming the right person. If you focus on being the right person, you will attract a good spouse. Surprise. If you're out partying at the bars looking for a mate, you're going to find somebody who else is like a partying at the bars looking for a mate. You know what I'm saying? Like, what kind of bait are you putting on your hook that you're trying to fish out with the water? You're trying to fish something out of the water. What, you, what kind of bait are you using? Because what kind of bait you use is what kind of fish you're going to get. I'm going to meddle. If you're out, if you're putting... <laughs> All right, here we go. If you are putting your body on the hook trying to fish a man, you're going to have a man that wants nothing but your body. I'm just saying. And, and, and men, if you are putting out your money as a hook to try to hook a girl, all she's going to want is your money. What are you putting on your hook? What are you fishing for? Single people, what are you fishing for? What are you fishing for? Because you might just get it. And you don't want what you're fishing for. You don't want what you're fishing for. <laughs> Reminds me of the story of this, this girl. She was, uh, grew up in a Christian home, and, and, and she was um, raised in a godly home. She had a good Christian foundation, and she believed in, in the Lord, and, and she was determined to, to go and um, to just really live her life for the Lord. But she went to college, and she started hanging out with her friends, and her friends kind of introduced her to this dating scene. To where, like, they'd go out to bars and they'd go drinking. And, and she kind of bought into this lie of, like, I just got to find the right person. And, and then, you know, everything's going to be okay. And, and so she, she starts kind of dating a guy and then breaking up and dating a guy and breaking up and dating and breaking up. And, and then, of course, one thing leads to another. And they got to test drive a car, right? You can't just, you know, not test drive the vehicle. And, and so she's test driving multiple vehicles. And, and things are getting, you know, more and more, like, spread thin, right? And she's kind of becoming this person where she's, she's got this huge hole in her heart. And it's growing bigger because she keeps putting the wrong things into that hole. And, and, it's, and it's causing this problem. And then one day she's at this um, Bible study. Her friend invites her to Bible study. She shows up and uh, the man of her dreams is there. And he's good looking and he's tall. And he's graduated college. He's got a career and a good job. And he loves God. And, and he wants to find a good godly wife. And, and he, he's like, I, I want you know, the kids and everything. He's like everything that she ever wanted. 
She goes home and she says, Mom, I found this guy and I'm, gonna, I'm really like, going to try to hang out with him and see if maybe we can develop a relationship. And the mom says, uh, Honey, are you the person that he's looking for? If you be the person, I mean, are you the person that you are looking for looking for? Are you the person that your spouse deserves? Married people, I'm for real on this. Are you being the person that your spouse deserves? Are you being a lesser person? Are you, are you exhibiting character flaws that your spouse doesn't deserve? When you become the person that you're supposed to become, single people, you will attract the right person into your life. Married people, when you become the person that you're supposed to become, your relationship will grow stronger and stronger and stronger. I tell you, if you have a husband and a wife, both striving to have godly character and become the person that God has called you to be, your relationship will grow stronger and stronger and stronger. And the byproduct is the chemistry. The chemistry just starts flowing, and everybody's like, wow, you guys have great chemistry. I see the way she looks at you. I see the way you look at her. You guys seem like you have fun. I mean, those are the comments I hear about Amber and I sometimes. You guys look like you're happy and you're having fun. And it's, yeah, because we're both striving to be who God's called us to be. And in the midst of that, as we're both pursuing God, we become closer together, and our relationship is built on a solid foundation. So are you the person that you're looking for is looking for? So when you open up the Scripture and you look for how to find the right person, you know, I I have a hard time finding a whole lot of chapters and verses about how to find the right person. I, I went looking early in our marriage about and the Bible is saying, how do I change my spouse? And I couldn't find verses for that either. <laughs> God, how do you make my wife a better person? Actually, that's not true. It's probably Amber doing that, looking in the Bible for me. But, but you know, like I, I went looking in there, and there. There's nothing there either. But here's what you can find. When the Bible talks about love and relationships, you can find how you can be the better person. The ownership for a great relationship, the ownership for a healed marriage, the, owner, the ownership for a healthy marriage is on you. It's not on your spouses changing their behavior. It's on you pursuing godly character in your own life. So there's a ton on how to be a good, to be a, a, the right person. See, God created relationship. He created you for relationship. And it's natural for you to want to be told, I love you. And it's possible to have an amazing relationship. It doesn't happen accidentally. It doesn't happen providentially. It happens through intentionality. If you want a good relationship, it happens through intentionality. So, how do you do this? How do you start? Here's what you do. Single people, you don't start this process once you find your person. You start this process today. Married people, you start it today. Maybe you've fallen short in some areas. Maybe your relationship has had some bumps in the road. But here's where you start this process. You know, I don't have a hard time with the parts of the Bible that I don't understand. I struggle, personally, I struggle deeply with the parts of the Bible that I understand that I just can't seem to do. Let's get real. And so I'm going to read two verses to you. We're going to read two verses this morning. And in two verses, it's going to have a whole list of stuff that you're going to say, yeah, Matt, I understand this. This is kind of a repeat. I got this. But do you? Do you really got it? Because these are things that I struggle with. And so we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 and 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 and 5. And it says, love is patient. How's your patience? (laughs) Love is kind. How's your kindness? It does not envy. It does not boast. It it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no records of wrongs. When you guys have a disagreement, does the record of wrong creep back into the conversation? Ouch. Because every once in a while, I'm tempted to creep back in the record of wrong. But let's start at the top. Love is patient. Love is patient. 
Listen, patience is a thing that you're not pushing your person, you're not pushing your spouse, you're not pushing, if you're dating somebody or you're married to somebody who is constantly pushing and pushing and pushing, I have to question whether or not that's love. I have to question whether or not that's love. Patience is a thing, it's a virtue. See, patience creates as much space and margin that the other person needs. The virtue of patience does not magically show up on the altar when you say, I do. I wish it did. I wish it was like this divine, like supernatural thing where I would show up to the altar and say a couple words and say, I do. And this whole verse would just instantaneously be 100% instilled in me. But it isn't. It's something you got to work on. It's something you got to reach for. Character matters. And these simple things of character will help you build a relationship with a good foundation. Are you patient with your spouse? Or do they wear you out? Are there times where you start to get worn out by them and, and then you've got to pause and say, oh, no, 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 I need some patience. Listen, God will help you get patience. He will help you get patience. The second one on this list is love is kind and considerate. Take into consideration how the other person feels. See, in the right person myth, this is, this, is, this is what happens. The right person myth says, well, if I married the right person, patience, I would never have any need to exercise patience. I would never have to work on kindness and consideration because if I married the right person, it would just flow from me naturally. But because I have to work at patience and work at kindness and consideration, well, maybe I married the wrong person. But that's a lie. No matter who you end up with, you'll have to work on these things. You'll have to work on these things. Love does not envy. <clears throat> this is a big one. I mean, it's huge. This, this is so huge, and it creeps in so subtly that we don't even recognize it at first. We don't even recognize it, but when it gets in there, all of a sudden, it is one of the most destructive things that can go into a marriage. And, and here's what it is. Envy is when I don't feel so good about me, so I can't let you feel good about you. I don't feel so good about me, so I can't let you feel good about you. I, and here's, a pra- here's something simple with my own life. There was a point where I had gained a lot of weight, and I didn't feel very attractive. And when I didn't feel attractive, you know what I did? Subconsciously, I wasn't thinking this, but what I did is I stopped sending my wife flowers. I stopped writing her love notes. I start, stopped doing the things that, that you got to do in a marriage to show care. You know why? Because I felt awful about myself, and so therefore I didn't have it in me. I, I don't know if it was an intentional, I want my wife to feel bad, but it was this thing that came out with me. I couldn't, I couldn't do the things to help her feel good because I didn't feel good about myself. And that crept into my life a few years back. So it, can creep, it can creep into anybody's life. Maybe your job isn't satisfaction. You're not satisfied at your job. You're not liking it. Your job is, you're miserable. You come home from work and you're just a hot mess every day. But your spouse loves their job. So are you just going to take the whole evening and just talk trash about the place you work all night long? That might be ringing true, but, but for someone, I'm just saying... Like, like, are you going to talk trash and then your wife is trying to be supportive or your husband's trying to be supportive of, of, of your job situation, but because you're miserable at work, you bring it home and you can't let your wife be happy that night because you just dump all over the table. When you don't feel good about yourself, it comes through in envy. It really does. It comes through in envy. And it may not be this conscious decision of like, I'm not going to let you feel good, but it ends up in your actions end up showing it. I'm going to drag you down because I'm down. Listen, you have got to let God root that out of you. You have got to let God root that out of you. Here's a, here, I'm going to give you another practical tip of something that I did for years. Amber found out about this later. But for years I, I did this. And, and see, I, would, I was working two jobs. Amber was home with the kids. And, and I, I knew this. It was like I would work two jobs and I'd come home. And right when I walked in the door, Amber had the kids and she's exhausted. 
How many of you guys know that is the hardest job in the world? And so taking care of the kids. And so I come in and she'd be like, here's the kids. I need a minute. You know, and, and she would, she'd be just done. And she'd go in the room, in a different room, and calm down and relax and be like, kind of recenter herself, take some deep breaths, pray, and, and then forgive all the kids for what they did in the day. You know what I mean? And like, she had her moment. And, and, then, and then she'd come back out and she was fine. But, but sometimes that was five minutes. Sometimes it was an hour, depending on what the day was like. So I would go job one, job two, right into the house, into job number three. But I'm spent. I'm exhausted. I worked my butt off all day long at two different jobs trying to make ends meet in order to keep the bills going for the family when the kids were little, right? And so husbands and wives, and you do this, and you work so hard, and you come back at the end of the day, and the kids are little. Here's the thing that I did. On the way home every day, there was a park on the way home to my house. It was just right around the corner. And I would drive up, and I would pull over at the side of the park. I would turn off my stereo. I would turn off everything. I would take five minutes and say, God, I need you to intervene into my heart right now. Because I know I worked hard today, but God, I got another shift right around the corner. And, and, and God, I don't have it in me. I've, I've, I've spent it. I've given my energy and I have my time today at this job. And God, I don't have what it takes to, to invest in the next phase of today. So God, I need your help. And I would just thank him for the, my family and thank him for my wife and thank him for my kids and, and say, God, you've given these, these to be a blessing. And, and God, I need your help to get through this next phase. And some of you guys need to do that. If you're the guy that's you're struggling at work or the gal that's struggling at work, instead of coming home and dumping all over your family because your job situation stinks, you need to take that to the Lord. They are not your dumping ground. You need to take that to the Lord. And you might need to find a space that you pull over every day on your way home from work. Dear God, take this off of me because I don't want to put this junk on them. I need to be the person that they deserve and they don't deserve this. They don't deserve it. Don't dump on them. Don't one-up the stories. (laughs) Try this out for a change. Let the glory rest with your spouse's story. They tell you the story, you know. Wow, I, I, I did this and this at work. It was incredible. Oh, that reminds me. The other day, I did this and this and that, and it was even more amazing. Oh, yeah? Well, I remember when, and it doesn't come across that snarky, but it, but it, but it does, right? Like, you don't think it does, but it does. Don't one-up your stories. When your spouse tells you a story, or, babe, that's incredible. You're amazing. Are you serious? You did that? In your head, you know. I did that, that 10 times over, you know? But if you drop that bomb, you're going to crush your spouse. And what's your goal? What's your goal in this? What's your goal? Come on, get real. You know what I want? I want my wife to be the most confident person that she can be. I want her to be loved and cared for. I know that if my wife is in, a, in an amazing place in life, I win. So if I drop my one-upper bomb... What am I doing? I'm tearing her down. That's not even hitting the goal that I really want. All it does is is it actually tries to make me look better than her. And and we all know that's not true. She's way better than me. But but you know what I mean? Like, like what is your goal in this thing? Don't be one up in it. Don't be doing that. Don't, 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 don't be in that envy trap. The opposite of envy is honor. And you gotta honor your spouse. You gotta praise your spouse. You gotta give them credit. Even if, if their credit seems little to you, give it to them. Be amazed by them. Encourage them. Love them. But if I marry the right person, it'll just be easy and automatic. Ask the people that are laughing. Ask the married people. Love does not boast. It is not proud. You don't have to be right all the time. You don't have to be right all the time. You don't. And love does not dishonor others. So married people, married people, listen to me carefully. Don't say those things that you can't take back. Don't. Don't say them. There's not enough I'm sorry's in the world that can pull that back out of the air and back into your mouth. Don't do it. Don't say those things that tear your spouse down. The temptation's there in the conflict. It's there. You want to call him, like, what are you, stupid? Like, what, what, are you serious? You actually thought that would work? You must be an idiot. I can't believe that. Are you kidding me? Every common person knows that that was a dumb decision. 
You start tearing your spouse down like that, a cheap little I'm sorry doesn't do anything. It doesn't. It doesn't. And what's your goal here? Do you want a strong marriage? You better build up your spouse to be a strong person. Don't tear him down like that. Don't dishonor your spouse. Don't do it to their face. and Don't do it behind their back. I know those jerks at the office talk crap about their spouse all the time. Don't be part of it. Don't do it. Even though your wife maybe not have heard those words, you're still sowing those words into your own life. You can't do it. Don't dishonor. Sorry doesn't undo the insults. Don't dishonor the person that you're dating. If you're a single person, don't dishonor the person that you're dating. Don't do something that's going to cause you regret. Don't go test drive every car out there. Like, you know what I'm saying. Don't go start sleeping around and don't, don't start doing that stuff. You finally find the person you want to marry and you got to explain to them, well, yeah, you know, you're like the 25th car that I've test driven. Right. <laughs> Someone just get a uh. But, but you know what I mean? Like, you don't want to have to say that, right? Listen, I know I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Just kind of forget about the others. Don't do something that would dishonor your wife. Don't do something that would dishonor your boyfriend or your girlfriend. We live in a culture where I feel like that's the name of the game, isn't it? Like you watch TV and it's like, we're going to go to the bar and we're going to get drunk and we're going to do stupid things that we regret in the morning. <laughs> yeah, let's go. It's going to be awesome. And then the next morning they're like hungover and regret, full of regrets. Don't do that. That's, that's dishonoring to you. It's dishonoring to your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your spouse. Or if you haven't met your spouse, it's dishonoring to your future spouse. Don't do it. Don't do it. When you date, never create regret. I'm telling you, those people that act dishonorably, those ones that are out there are like, yeah, that's you stay away from my girls. I've got two girls. I've got two hands. I have more than two guns. I've got a plot of land and a shovel. And I'm not laughing. So the lie is this. If I marry the right person, if I find the right person, if I marry the right person, I won't need patience. I won't need kindness because it'll be easy because the pitter patters. And when I do something silly, they're just going to send me a heart emoji and I'm going to go, ha ha, I love you too, babe. But that isn't really how it works. It's a fantasy. It's, it's, it's just a childhood dream. It's, it's, it's watching too many Disney movies and reading too many love novels and watching too many chick flicks on TV. I'm serious. That stuff isn't reality. You can't think that that's reality. That's what's gonna, that isn't what's going to happen. That isn't it. The chemistry is a byproduct of relationship. And so when you put the chemistry before the relationship, you're thinking like a child. And when you look at this chapter and this verse talking about the love, you just skip, skip a couple of verses. We were in verse, what, 6 or 7? And so we're going to go to verse 11 right now. And it says, when I was a child, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. I believed in the Disney fairy princess thing and the whole chemistry. If it feels right, then we're going to do it. And, and I'm going to meet the right person. And they're going to save me from my evil situation. and my every- No, your bills keep going. If you've got debt all over the place, I'm telling you, he's not going to ride up on a horse and magically it's going to disappear. You've got anger issues. That just stuff doesn't pop away as soon as you find the right woman. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't just disappear. Your issues are your issues. I mean, and they're still going to be there. And, and all the Disney stuff out there is, is like, anyhow, that, that stuff gets you caught up and you're thinking like a kid watching kid movies. And you think it's just going to be Elsa up there going, let it go, let it go. And that, that's not what it is. You can't just like, oh, we're married now, fresh start. I'm going to let it go. You know, and you know, it's Kristoff. You got Kristoff. So, but, you know, so he... When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. And, and, I, and I became a man. I put away the childhood behind me. I am challenging you today, church. Put away the childhood fantasies. You're an adult now. You're grown up. It's time to start working on the relationship. Single people, today is the day that you put it into your present. You put into your present today what you want to have in your future tomorrow. You invest in your present today because that will be your past that ends up being where you're at. You protect your future by protecting your present right now. You protect 
your future by protecting your present right now. You see, none of this comes naturally. Passion and chemistry, that comes naturally. That comes naturally. I've got to be honest. I believe that you can feel that passion and chemistry about literally thousands of people. There's thousands of people on this earth, maybe even tens or hundreds of thousands of people on this earth that you could feel that with. You could. There's, you have the, the kind of person that you like, that you gravitate towards. Tall, short, light skin, dark skin, whatever. What kind of hair they like, the kind of color of their eyes, their attitude, their personality. Are they introverts? Are they extroverts? Like, like you start adding up like the equation of like the t- your type of person. And you, and you start looking, and all of a sudden, you, you will find thousands of people you can have chemistry with. you got to decide who do you want to have a relationship with. Become the person that you're looking for. Become the person that you are looking for is looking for. Become the person that your wife deserves. Become the person that your husband deserves. Stop believing that if I magically find the magical person, magically we'll be living happily ever after. It doesn't happen like that. You protect your future by protecting your present right now. So here's the thing. You need to get a clear future of what you're trying to build in your life. You need a blueprint of where you're trying to go and what you're trying to do. you got to have it as a single person. you got to have it as a married person. you got to have it. We're going to close the message right now, but I've got this. i got some homework for you. i got homework for you. And here's what we got. Homework for spouses. If you are married, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go home today, and sometime over the next day or two, I want you to have a conversation with your spouse. Why don't you have a conversation with your spouse? It can be simple driving down the road. It can, it can be sit down serious. Where your relationship at is at probably determines how that conversation needs to go. If you're in a rocky spot, don't do it over text message. In fact, just don't do this over text message. Look in each other's deep in each other's eyes. Homework for spouses. Here we go. Number one for spouses is we are going to write down a vision of what you want your marriage to look like. Together, sit down together and say, this is what I want our marriage to look like. And that's going to look different for everybody. But together, start writing down, what are the values of things that you want in your marriage? Yeah, you know, I just, I want laughter. I don't know about you, but I want some laughter and some joy. I don't want, I mean, serious is fine too, but, you know, I just want to enjoy you and have a great time. So write down, what is it that you want your marriage to be? What, what, what's the vision? What's the blueprint? And then you got to ask this, what, not what does your spouse need to do, but what do you need to do? Or who do you need to be to build that marriage? If you want a marriage filled with joy and laughter, you got to check your work baggage at, on the way home and not bring it into your house. If you want, a, you want a spouse that's happy and joyful, that means the words that come out of your mouth, maybe you need to start investing and sowing words of encouragement and faith and love into your spouse. Well, yeah. I mean, if they do it to me, I'll do it to them. They got to take the first step for, you know. Well, there you're not building your marriage. If you're drawing a line in the sand and saying the other person has to move first, that's not building a marriage. That's picking sides. That's causing problems. Somebody has to humble themselves at some point. Instead of pointing the finger at your spouse and expecting them to do something, I'm challenging you. You do it. You take the step. You humble yourself. You decide what you need to do and act on that. Don't point your finger at the other side of the equation and say, well, but they are this and they're that. Single people, I got some homework for you too. Make a list of what you want in a spouse. If you are not aiming for a target, you're going to hit something and it may not be what you want. Yeah. Write it down. I'm serious. Write it down. Just sit down and start thinking all the characteristics that you want. Write down the physical stuff, too. I want them this tall. I want them this short. I want, I want this. I want that. Big muscles, no muscles. You know, I want, you know, what do you want in your spouse? And when you start to write down, here's what I want in my spouse. I want someone that serves God. I want somebody that loves me. I want somebody that, that isn't concerned with our financial resources. I, I just want to have 
passion and joy. And, 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 and I want them to be happy if we live in a little shack or in a huge mansion. Like, I don't think, I want that stuff to matter, you know? Like, what do you want in your spouse? Write it down. Start looking, I want integrity and honesty. Like, I want them to tell me the truth no matter how much it hurts. I don't want them to skirt things to try to tell me stuff to help me make me, me feel better. I mean, maybe you do want that stuff. I don't know, but, but you know, I don't. You know, so like I want this honesty factor in my marriage, you know, in, in my marriage. So single people, write down what you want. I'm serious. Take, go home, put it somewhere. Put it in your phone, put it, put it somewhere. So you make a list of what, you're, what you want in your spouse, and then you need to make a second list saying, well, what is it that that person deserves? If I'm expecting them to be honest and forthcoming, then maybe I need to be honest and forthcoming. And if I'm expecting them to be full of joy and laughter and and encouraging, maybe I need to be that person. So start writing down the second list of of single people of of what you know, what you think that person is looking for. And here's what happens. You see, you start working on your character as a single person. You start working on your character now. You will start to attract the person that you're looking for you will start to attract a spouse that is an equal match to you. Your bait on the hook has changed. And the fish that you catch on that hook will be what you actually want. It's a funny thing because you, single people, when you start doing this, I did this, I wrote down all this stuff when I was, when I was a young man. Great advice from several people that told me to do that. I wrote down this list and I made it ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous. God's going to have to send an angel from heaven. Like, like there is, this is not humanly possible. I mean, stunning good looks. You know what I mean? Like, like great personality and outgoing and, and social and, and loves me to death and, 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 and doesn't want anything else other than be with me. And, and I just had this monster list, monster list. And, and, God, and God brought her. I'm telling you, single people, write your list. Your eyes will start to close to those people who are not on that list. You will start to see the, the, the dude that you used to be attracted to. You will start to see that girl that you used to be attracted to. Here's the thing, like, I hear, I hear men and women both say this when they're single. They'll say something like, like, oh, all men are pigs. Or all women are just gold diggers. No. No, all the people that you date are that way. You have a type. Change the bait on your hook because you, that's, if that's not what you want, you've got to use some different bait. Start working on your character. Start working what God has put inside of your heart. Start, start developing that. Become the person that the person you want to be with wants to be with. You work on you. So how can I do this? You can't give away what you don't have. You just can't. Well, I just don't know if I have this kind of love in my life. But see, Christian, today, if you're a Christian and you're a believer in Christ today, and you've accepted Christ to live in your heart, he has poured out this love into you. And if you have the Spirit of God in you, if you've accepted Jesus in your heart, you have that love inside of you. And it might be beyond your personal capacity. I'm not a good enough man to love the wife the way she need, my wife the way she needs to be loved. I try my best, but God makes up those gaps. He makes up those things, and, and, and things come out of my mouth, and I remember ordering flowers, and it's a miracle by God that, 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 that I, you know, I'm serious because I have this love of God inside of me that oozes out, and so I just want to say that you can't give away what you don't have, but if you have the love of Christ in you, lean into that. Lean into that. Find yourself pulling over on the side of the road saying, God, how do I show me how to love my wife today? Show me how to love my husband today. Show me how to make that progress in their life. And you might be here this morning and you don't know what I'm talking about with this love of Christ. Maybe you've never accepted Christ into your heart. Maybe you've never put your faith into him. And today, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So church, would, would you guys stand with me? The whole church, let's just stand. I'm going to wrap up here in just a minute. And so with, with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're just not going to look around. And I'm, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. But today, you need to make that decision that, yeah, today I need to put my faith in Christ. I don't have that love in me that I know that I need to have. And I need the love of Christ in me to be able to flow through me, to be able to build some healthy relationships again. 
If you, you have not put your faith in Christ, today's your day, today's your opportunity. I'm encouraging you, don't walk out of here today without making this decision. It's the greatest decision that you'll make in your life. Maybe you walked away from the Lord and you've just rejected him and today you're back and you say, you know what? I need to get back in a relationship with God. And so there's two people that I'm not talking to this morning. First one is maybe you've never put your faith in Christ or maybe you did a long time ago, but today's the day you need to come back. He welcomes you with open arms. He loves you. And he wants to pour his love into you and through you in ways that you can't even imagine or comprehend. So this morning, if that's where you're at, if you say, today's the day that I need to put my faith in Jesus. I haven't done it. I need to do it. Will you just put your hand in the air? I'm not making a spectacle of you. I want to give you a resource to help you. If that's you, we just put your hand in the air. Don't let today pass. Amen. So we make that offer every week because we believe that it's the right decision for everybody to make. And although this morning there was not a response, we continue to make that offer. We continue to make that suggestion. We continue to present the gospel of Jesus every week. And so Heavenly Father, this morning as a church, God, I just pray right now that every marriage would be solid. God, I ask that your love would pour into every relationship in this church. God, help the single people to be focused on, on, on you, be focused on, on your character, be focused on, on being the right person. God, help the marriages in this church to be strong and vibrant. God, let this church be known as a place where marriages are strong and vibrant. God, for those marriages that are in the middle of a struggle, God, I am asking right now that your peace, the peace that passes all understanding, would invade the situation. God, help deflate the anger. Help, help reduce the stress. Help reduce the stuff. Allow the, the marriage to be, the, both sides of the marriage, to be able to come to the table with humility and love. Maybe you can't have a fresh start, but maybe today you sit down and when you're mapping the blueprint of what the vision of your marriage needs to be, maybe that's step one. So God, I'm praying for marriages in our church to be vibrant, to be life-giving. God, let our marriages be an example of what, of what marriage should be. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. At this time, we have prayer teams that want to pray with you. They're here today, and they're going to come.